We have William Arbatsi on the line. Hello, William. Hello. How are you doing, Tom? Very good. Very good. So, so is the topic something about economics? <laughs> the topic is um, well. This has been an ongoing discussion, and certainly, uh, having met with Duncan. Uh, for dinner, the, the topic associated with how the economy will affect artificial life, whether we will go underground, whether we will start writing, whether you know whether this is going to affect anything, or whether we basically have all learnt from the past twenty years worth of ebbs and flows. Oh come well, on! You think human nature is going to change? I'm not making any claims with regards to human nature. I'm talking about the individuals associated with artificial life. I think we're we're all, well, certainly, I mean, you, you talk to folks such as Steve Ground, we've all had a collective group of uh, experiences which make us considerably more robust in these circumstances where we, you know, seem to even flow between jobs. Um, I mean, you're a I don't believe that economics and my ability to feed myself has anything to do with my emotional attachment to artificial life as a field or any other piece of work that I do. I think those are completely dis, you know, disconnected, at least in the mind of, of a true believer. Very true. <laughs> Testified. <laughs> are. And as you walk into this temple, Bruce, I mean, do, do, are you following Brother William? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we could be classified as, as, as insane people. <laughs> That's well, how you get ahead. That's how you accomplish goals. You can't be dissuaded by, you know, walls, bricks, naysayers, uh, all kinds of negative influence. You've got to go for it, and it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. Very much so. Just with regards to the last topic, you mentioned that you yourself were considering offering a prize associated with artificial life at some time. Do you want to, do you want to recount that story? Uh, oh, I had suggested to uh, a couple of people that... I would be willing, at least at some point, to uh, start off to bankroll, provide a seed fund that would be useful to promote developments in developmental systems. I'm interested in machines that develop. You know, that's the the shtick I'm 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 captured by, and no one else seems to do much work in that area. At least realization models. So how, well, what would your sort of suggestion, like? and, and nothing's happened. I haven't heard back from them. I don't know if they're afraid of the. I want to call it the John Maynard Smith Prize, but they apparently don't like that idea. And what, how would how would this work? I mean, what what are the parameters? What are the conditions? And how many people would actually some, be awarded paper, the prize? Some paper that would be awarded by the ISAL board or whoever's running the the conference or whatever for you know five hundred a thousand dollars for a paper that that uh, addresses this issue. The best paper at the conference that addresses this issue. You know, and once you start, look, let me tell you the truth. I've been a grad student in computer science. I've looked for um, scholarships. Guess how many there are? Something like zero. you got to be in other fields to get a scholarship in, in you know, to, get, to go to school. It doesn't work like that. Not for computer science. No one endows it. Somebody's got to. You know, and if, if it can't be someone like Larry Ellison with billions of dollars, then you got to do it some other place. 
And it doesn't seem to be all that much money for $500 or $1,000 every couple of years at a conference to uh, provide a, you know, a stipend for someone who's written a decent paper. So, Bruce, what do you think the challenges for this kind of prize are? Quite mainly definitional. Um, it, it, well, Brig was interesting. Brig and I had a long conversation about three or four years ago. And his whole thing was that there are prizes that are very political, and he felt that the Nobel Prize and et cetera, et cetera, were dependent on people and connections and influence and whose who's, who's advisor was, was yours um, and who do you know. And then there are prizes which are objective. And by the way, there's a lot of noise. I you know, we, we, we have Rudolf Penikov on the line as well, so I'll, I'll phrase the question to him too. I mean, as you look at artificial life currently, what kind of prizes would you like to see and what would you like to see them for? That meant to go to Rudolph guess, or William? We? Rudolph, are you yeah. there? Rudolph. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think one of the problems is that these projects, they should be quite large projects uh, such as the EVO grid and these projects are in universities there are a number of universities already offering artificial intelligence programs and let's have these students and uh, the people who are uh, doing the research there let's have them develop programs that make these this kind of software more lifelike and so software, your audio is coming through very poorly and we've had problems in the past so, so I'm, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to cut you off and, and probably take you off the call uh, because it's giving us a lot of feedback but I mean please please do participate in the chat sorry sorry about that for the other participants so I think Rudolph's point was fundamentally that researchers need to be allowed to do research and by putting out a prize and particularly a prize that is skewed in some regard, I think what was interesting with Brig Kleiss's prize was that there was the potential to actually do a lot of very broad research irrespective of whether or not you agreed with Brig and it could fit into a, you know, a wide variety of, of possible uh, projects. My concern with regards to more focused prizes is firstly is that the nature of what artificial life is doing currently? And that's what interested me with regards to your your potential prize, William, was this idea of your own particular interest. And I agree, it is a good subset of artificial life. But is that really the kind of thing that should be putting money into the community? More importantly, even if it's oh, you know five hundred or a thousand dollars. Sorry, it's, it's really simple. It, you know, you can choose anything you want. It's all arbitrary. It doesn't really matter what you support. Choose one thing. Once you choose one thing, you've created an example. Until you have an example, you know, no one else wants to follow suit. Everybody's happy with the status quo. That's why nothing ever gets done. Too much lollygagging, too much uh, resting on laurels and all of the rest of that crap. It's really simple. Certainly. And I, I think, you know, you have you have two people that agree with you in terms of Bruce and myself on the call. Yeah, I understand that. But, you know, there's plenty of other people. Let me tell you something. 
I heard this from a politician once, from a U.S. congressman. He told me that when a constituent calls to complain, they assume there are 10,000 others with that same complaint because 99.99 of them won't call. It takes a lot of chutzpah to call up and complain. Most people don't. They just go home. That's why our society is in the condition it's in today. You don't have enough people demanding quality results. They're having to take less than quality results. Look at the home that you buy. Go out and look at any new home you know, built in a local track and the quality of, of the wall and so forth and how, how flat and straight it is. Come on. Average person just buys anything. It takes a lot of huts but a complaint. But as we are all actively passionate about our official life, I mean, you know, as you say, in order to get on bio's life, you need to have a lot of chutzpah. And that will certainly come through in this evening's call. So uh, as, as you come on bio's life, I mean, this is, this is the question with regards to prizes. Isn't it better just to create an active talking community where you can bring in people such as, you know, Eric Burton, you can bring in people such as Tolkis and Steve Grand and Bruce and... Gerald and all the folk that call into Bios Live. And, I mean, isn't that the important thing? Isn't the communication the important part as opposed to, you know, dangling carrots associated with specific areas? I mean, my... No. My vis- no? No. Hell no, in fact. The fact is that all of the talk and so forth can occur right alongside of a prize, and there's nothing wrong with promoting development in some particular area. For instance, the United States government does it all the time through their DARPA and ARPA and whatever other kind of acronym you've got attached to it these days. And they have all kinds of interesting products come out of it, including the Internet. But that's not a prize. That's research funding. Hold it. They paid money to get those things. It's the same thing as a prize. No, no. It's it's inducement. It's inducement. All you're doing is providing somebody with a source of income and a means uh, thereby to pursue some particular act of excellence that attracts them. And for the people who work for DARPA or so forth, they happen to be attracted by those particular prizes. It's simple. That's how, how humans work. I understand that. I understand that with regards to research funding. There's a great distinction with regards to research funding and a prize, though. I don't see any distinction. It's money for work, period. Well, one is money for work that you get prior to doing the work, and one is money for work that you may get at the conclusion of the work. What that's do you mean the distinction. You may get. What do you mean you may get? Well, that's the nature of a prize. You you attribute a set of things, and then you let an external body assess what you have done, together with a wide variety so of other folks. So you're worried about someone else um, judging the merit of the work. Well, I thought that was the whole basis of you know getting into publications as well as the merit of the work, based on the view of your peers or some. True. Select group of them, but they don't only they don't just publish one paper. They publish a suite of papers, and there are conditions and discussions that go on related to that. The problem with the idea of the contemporary prize is that you have firstly a group that's actively promoting the prize, so they they get the publicity, the interest, and also the speaking point associated with that. 
And then you have an independent group of, of very quiet, oftentimes silent entities that are moving towards that prize, probably doing amazing research in their own particular fields. But of that group, only one is selected, if they are selected. And the problem with contemporary technology prizes is they're rarely selected. The money rarely is awarded in contemporary technology prizes. Instead, it's a vehicle in order to motivate publicity for the people that are giving the money, in theory. Oh, you're concerned about whether the funding I might supply would end up as advertising media for the powers of ISAL instead of those who actually produce the, the written work for which the prize was intended for award. Well, you're talking, I, I you're talking about about moving my money from one place to another. I don't think it would occur. First off, that would qualify as fraud. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's the nature the of these prizes about? as they've been offered. That's the nature of these prizes as they've been offered. They don't get awarded. Greg Kleist did not award his prize. He has not awarded his prize. And no, if you talk to him about the terms of his prize, it's not clear whether you get $2,000 or $100,000. So the examples associated with artificial life, as you describe them, are as you describe them, and I don't want to necessarily use negative use terms. Use my words. I've been very plain. Do the same yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say that I agree with you in the ideal form. I mean, this is the way it should occur. Unfortunately, it just hasn't occurred that way to date associated with artificial life and related technology prizes. If and that's this is the case, then maybe you should consider Brig Kleiss's thing to be perhaps a little fraudulent, perhaps a little um, disingenuous. Can I jump in here? Go ahead. So, um, just before we, uh, we slander people It's on not the slander air. to suggest um, it might be. And well, to think about it is not slander. Let me sh- let me shift let me shift this just slightly. Uh, I think that perhaps I've been in the journalism I, business. I know. Well, continue, Bruce. Let's, continue. let's, let's shift, shift this to a more positive bent, which and possibly a, a way forward. Which is prizes are, are are there's components to them, and one of the best motivators that I've seen in the last few years is the idea of challenges. You know, the UK has its six grand challenges in in science, and basically a group came together and said, you know, what are the hardest, most interesting problems to pose? And they created challenges, and those created the core for a whole sets of funding in UK research. But for instance, the Evo Grid itself, I'm, I'm framing an architecture that is designed to meet the challenge of autonomous multi-complexification emergence. And that's, that really is what it is. It's a challenge. And say, I have no idea if I can meet that challenge. And there's no prize at the end other than saying it's a cool idea and we could work on it. Uh, challenges are, tend to be uh, uh, not as device, not divisive. They tend to be just, well, people are attracted to the idea and suggest some people should be working on it. So in a sense, shift from prize to challenge and then frame and crystal clear describe these challenges get people excited about them, they can work on it on their own way, and maybe you get all the benefits of the beneficial parts of prizes without all the, uh, the rigmarole. And you also actively, you actively promote the participants within a challenge as well. This is my other concern with prizes, is that you don't, 
it doesn't show a community. It doesn't echo a community. The A-Prize doesn't echo the artificial life community. It doesn't show the energies and the motivations and all the people that are involved. Whereas I think what Bruce is doing with the EvoGrid as he describes it is presenting a challenge and then all the folks that come through, be it Steve Grand, be it Scott Schaefer, be it all the participants that have expressed an interest in creating their own visions of the EvoGrid, can create that and be promoted through this idea of the challenge versus the prize. Does this make sense to you, William? Well, um, semantics, I think, in this particular case, challenge, prize, call it whatever you will, a little bit of support that ends up promoting someone enough, prompting them enough to actually produce a little bit of work, to compete for it, is probably not a bad thing. Competition is sort of the central element of, uh, you know, the capitalist world, and a lot of people seem to think that works real well. I don't think that there is anything wrong with prompting people, giving people a little bit of a challenge to strive for, and if it's all in good fun, that's one thing. Everybody benefits from it. There's nothing wrong with a nominal amount of money. Um, if there are problems with commitment to delivering on a prize or otherwise, that's an issue that I would look at in different terms than to say that there's something wrong with prizes. There might be something wrong with the prize offerer. Well, I, I would agree. But okay. my, concern, my concern currently is, as I see a prize, I see it in terms of the prizes and prize offerers that I've surveyed over the past 12, 15 years associated with... a bunch with of implementational details that haven't been, um, to your mind, particularly desirable or acceptable. So maybe there need to be terms in which things are defined so that um, the funds, the proceeds, the benefits, etc., go to the right parties. Promotion of the field, promotion of the developed work, things like that, instead of some other kind of political or religious or ideological goal. So how do you do that practically, William? I thought it was fairly simple, straightforward. Um, papers are submitted with intent to compete for the prize, and out of that, a committee selects one. Certainly. Simple. And, and I, I, I think that is a great idea. I'm not opposed to that as an idea of a prize, because I think what comes through that is basically all the concerns that I have you know, raised with regards to the way these prizes seem to exist independently of the way that you've described them. Well, that's because it's not something which was endowed in the first place. It's something that somebody else wants to control for their own political purposes. Certainly. Or emotional or otherwise. So I don't I mean, really know exactly what it is that Brig wants. I will say that I had my own commentary for his um, complaint or his... Uh, his project upon return from Artificial Life 10. And I forget who it was that really, they gave a solid argument, a really solid argument. But the, the bottom line is, how do you define it? And, you know, how do you define that you have achieved the open-ended evolution, given that none of us is going to be around when it occurs? And Brig had not defined things in such a way that you could answer that question. The fact of the matter is that the answer to the question comes in about five billion years. There you are. 
But I think as a simulation problem, there is something that Brig could have distilled. And certainly when I interviewed him, I wanted him to distill that a bit more. And I think that... going to, if he was, he'd have answered that question that was posed at the time for which I rendered my complaint or remark. Okay. It's so... that simple. <laughs> he wasn't going to. He didn't come up with a definition of open-ended sufficient to answer such that one could determine whether or not a prize was awardable. That I understood. I didn't think he was ever going to come up with a definition because he, he wouldn't be satisfied with, well, we don't have the answer because we're not there yet. And that's the only answer that's possible. In any kind of practical sense. Everything else is computation. Do you believe mathematics? Some people don't. Some people don't believe proofs that apply today, uh, uh, you know, apply 10 years from now. Certainly. <laughs> in terms of the A Prize, in terms of the other artificial life-related prizes or potential future prizes, how do you instill, and this is a question that I had for the folks associated with the A Prize, how do you actually instill this idea of fairness, of community, of actually awarding the prize, of doing these kind of things when these are independent of our community, fundamentally. They're, they're created by independent entities. How do you instill all those values, and how do you communicate that, particularly to the media? I mean, I'm, I make contact with a lot of folk in the media associated with their reporting of specific issues, particularly to try and bring in the artificial life community because the issues that they raise are fundamentally about the artificial life community. If you were to see a prize that was coming out in the future, that had a certain amount of money associated with it that went on for a number of years and promoted a particular company or a particular ideological interest, but the prize was never awarded. How do we deal with that as a community? Um, well, you can't really control what other people do. I'm not for laws regarding morality. Even ethics are a little bit difficult. I've watched courts you know, violate laws and Certainly. do it with impunity. So I'm not impressed by any of it. So um, here's, here's my question back to you. Is, is the prize the thing that is broken? Should we look for things other than prizes to avoid these kind of situations? I don't think the prize is broken. I think what is broken is the terms under which it ex is accepted, perhaps. I don't know the particulars regarding Brig Kleiss's association with a life other than he showed up at a life 10 and made his sales pitch and uh it was an interesting pitch he has an interesting problem um it's somewhat well defined but he doesn't have you know terms of acceptance of demonstration and that's the basis for uh awarding of his prize so you know it's a red herring but, uh, irrespective of Brig, how many of these flawed prizes do you have to observe where the award money isn't awarded, where basically they're not actively promoting the artificial life community, where they're promoting their own interests before you so say you that the prize is broken? So you, so you tell them to go away or so forth? Well, I've always heard caveat emptor. And in fact, generally that's the way I've been treated in any uh, association I've ever been involved with. Whether it's a state university, uh, you know, a society, um, everything is like that. And uh, 
So why don't we construct something that's better than that? Why don't we construct something intellectually which isn't associated with all this polluted methodology and actually strengthen a community in the process? I'd be all for it. Why don't we? I'm still waiting for for the telephone call from my sales executive board. Well, maybe Bruce can promote that. I made my pitch... And the, and the suggestion was that they get back to me. I want to, you know, what do I have to do? Get on my knees and beg? Come on. Well, that's what I do. You beg. <laughs> I wouldn't beg. Bruce. Hell no. Look, you've got to be stronger than that. You've got to stand up and tell them where they're wrong and let them, push them to get on their knees and beg. That's what they ought to do. It's really simple. I made my pitch. I told... You want to know who it is? I told Jordan Pollock that I'd be interested in this. He said he'd bring it before the board. I presume that he did so. I have no reason to believe that Jordan Pollock didn't take my suggestion at face value at heart. You know? And I got no ulterior motive. I'm just interested in seeing something someplace get, get promoted a little bit. Certainly. And I think we all are. We all are, without question. I mean, that's, you know, Bruce clearly is as well. But the way in which you operate... Maybe they don't like John Maynard Smith. I don't know. (laughs) That's what I want to name the prize after, for development, because he was the one who complained. It's in the paper. It's in computational ontogeny. I quote the issue. Certainly. (laughs) And I think that he's the right one to name it after. If nothing, then to mock Come on, let's have fun. Certainly. I've, I've yet to hear from them. You know, I don't know what they want. Well, to think of them as a coherent entity, I think, is probably somewhat artificially... Then they yeah. shouldn't have a... a what do they call that? A, a monolithic face. I, I, I don't agree with get you. Out the, don't get out the shield, I, Sal, and stand behind it if you're not. Certainly. What has happened recently with ISIL is that they've had semi, not, not as good an elections as I would want to see. I've given feedback to Mark Boudot about that accordingly, but they have had some elections. The ISIL board has changed. A lot of the folks who were involved um, in Artificial Life 11 are on the board, some of whom I've worked with, and I have, I have good hopes with regards to the future of the international society. Mark Boudot, as the, as the chair has basically similar criticisms to what you're saying, and he is the chair. I think what they're trying to do currently is work through the, the prior history into something that will more actively and more democratically represent the artificial life community. And certainly we all have to agree that that is basically the way forward and participate actively in that regard. Agree. Boy, you've got a lot of expectations of me, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bruce, as someone who is... As someone who is Entering, you're not a member of the International Society, are you, Bruce? I'm, I'm not a member of any club that would have me as a, as a member. <laughs> but as you, as you observe this discussion, as well also as you have a kind of historical legacy with regards to certain components of the International Society board, I mean, they're now allowing you to do a, a track to uh, A-Life 12. So, I mean, we have some ins with regards to both my end, the, the begging, groveling end, and Bruce's end with regards to actually doing stuff. What's your sense with regards to the future of the International Society, and do you think that, do you think that William's concerns will probably be resolved in the near future? Well, I think 
in, in any of these organizations, you have to be very careful that you don't create an initial negative reaction. So, for example, I tiptoe into these communities. I find out who, what the interests of the people are in the communities, uh, try to do something that would be of interest to them or, or to, to speak their language, and it may take some time. And then, like, for instance, with Steen and the Evil Grid, Steen really helped to crystallize um, what the Evil Grid is. And then I went around and met you know, a dozen other people who helped, who put their input, and they became advisors to the project. And I think that that, it's kind of a, it's not only an ingrati- way to ingratiate yourself with a community and then become part of it, but to be very non-threatening and not come in with a hard uh, opinion. Uh, but involve, be very inclusive and involve a lot of people, make them feel like they have ownership of, of, of what, who you are and what you are. Because frankly, you know, I can't put a, a university on my business card. I, uh, you know, I'm working on a PhD, but I don't have one yet. Uh, I don't have a, a list of published papers in, in journals that they would recognize. So I'm, I'm coming in, as usual, as somebody with, with very little that they would recognize as somebody, uh, as a a colleague or as a peer. I'm a peer. I'm doing similar work in other fields, uh, which I can present, like the work work in the space field. So you have to really, really be careful, and you have to really uh, take the time and uh, do that kind of thing. Uh, You just cannot uh, push your way in and maybe bring uh, experience some of the pushback. Uh, Academics also can flip into critic mode, and, and I know Tom... You probably have seen this happen, especially um, when, when being raised in an academic family with your father. When the academics start criticizing each other, they can be quite vicious and quite unfair and characterize someone and sort of tar and feather them. And, and I'm ever uh, concerned about being considered flaky um, because they, they can flip on the flaky switch so quickly. So if you want to be in that community and have the resources of that community and intellectual energies of that community, you have to really understand all that uh, and, and come in uh, in a way that will work. Uh, you just can't come in professing a whole you know, approach to things that without, without, without connecting with them first and then involving them. But to be fair to the artificial life academic community, I mean, what you're describing is really a minority of the experiences that I have had, and certainly also uh, when academics reach out to me or when I reach out to academics, they have an immense sense of respect, which I think we could all get in terms of what we do as an artificial life community is independent from academia. I mean, I I write papers and they're they're published on occasion. And I think there's an immense sense of respect with regards to what we do independently of whether we have PhDs or attached to. And this is really what came through Steen in particular, that he was fascinated about your existence in the real world as opposed to the academic world, Bruce. Yeah, and and certainly um, he recognized things. You know, I can go and get, get grant funds from NASA and whatnot and have avatar background and everything because I'm, I'm a kind of a polyglot. I go around and I absorb a field. I help, I help start a couple of little subfields, uh, and I bounce around between academia and industry and, and users and, and, and artists and, you know, you name it, in 50 different fields because virtual worlds intersected everything from art, you know, anthropology to architecture. So I, I travel in all these, these worlds, but I, I, 
I think I'm effective because I really try to listen and I try to internalize and do my ethnography and um, become kind of a part of the mindset of the community that I'm in. If I was at a conference or Galen and I are doing a keynote and we don't know anything about the subject, we, we absorb it and we talk to a million people or dozens of people for a few days and then really be able to talk their language and then we'll go off to another conference and do that. And, and so in a sense, I, I now have the ability to, to sort of be in these different communities. And, uh, but initially I was very nervous about meeting Steen. Um, but it went very well, and I, uh, I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to work on A-Life 12. So concluding this topic, if, if there can be a conclusion, I, w I wanted to talk a little bit about Dick Gordon and your connection with Dick Gordon, William, particularly in terms of the near future. You're planning on going and, and studying uh, under Dick. You have, you're, you're working on topics. This introduction into kind of formalized academia. It's funny because I, I met Dick recently and it was a real privilege to even spend a brief amount of time with Dick. Ironically, we probably talk more on Bio to Live, but the thing that he passed on to me is that we are all outsiders, that we should all, irrespective of whether we're in academia or independent from academia, by pushing the boundaries, by having this kind of discourse, we are immediately outsiders and we need to embrace almost this kind of shared outside that we all are, are a part of. What are you planning on doing in the in the future with Dick, and how do you see this kind of unfolding over the next few years, William? Well, that I'm giving a lot of consideration to. The exact um, time frame will probably be on the longer end. Um, I'm going to say it'll take me seven years to complete the PhD, and that's from today. The goals are largely in the hand of Richard as far as what the project is because I'm not a biologist. I don't have enough background to know what would be suitable uh, topics in detail, but I think that in general it will have something to do with the uh, control networks, genetic regulatory networks, and some what I'm thinking is a parallel between the cell cycle of prokaryotes and development in metazoans. Um, <clears throat> I've been doing some research, reading some papers, found an interesting one on PNAS that has to do with um, stability, the uh, retention of phenotypic traits in spite of um, variation in genotype and uh, found it interesting as to why there is stability, and apparently it's, it has something to do with um, the overall complexity of the regulatory network. I'm a little bit concerned with some complaints I've heard from other biologists that the regulatory network is pretty much like spaghetti code, and I would hope that that's not the case. I'd like to find some kind of hierarchical structure and that is a central theme of Richard's work and part of the title of one of his books, I guess, is his opus. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting finding, you know, the particular project. It will probably center on development of his current model organism, which is the axolotl, although I found another one that I think is really 
interesting called the acetabularia. It's some kind of very large single-celled organism that you can hold in your hand. You can actually see it. Gosh. Um, I learned about that from a gentleman named Mark Wilkinson, who does heart research in British Columbia, I believe it is, but he came and was one of the instructors for the Applied Genomics course, Computational Genomics course, uh, about a week and a half ago at in Montreal. So I've been preparing, getting familiar with uh, some other people in the field, um, trying to establish a meeting with uh, Richard in Winnipeg, which I hope will be sometime at the end of this, of this uh, month, and uh, kind of cleaning up on my Gecko 2009 activities. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I mean, do keep us updated on Bias Live because, I mean, I think Dick certainly is an active participant in the community and an active motivator with regards to a number of different directions. And certainly it was a real pleasure to, to meet him and Natalie and also their two dogs, which dogs are the things that always, when you describe the idea of the... Uh, spread genotype but the similar phenotype I always think of dogs in that regard and certainly Dick had two opposite ends of the spectrum dogs that he brought with him um, when he came to visit Las Vegas so I'd like to thank you both and also Eric Burton for participating in this evening's Bios Live we've covered a, a, a wide variety of topics some some good strong discussion it's always a pleasure to have you on William in particular uh, to inspire that kind of discussion and Bruce You've been the, the ever-present peacemaker as always, so I'd like to thank you both and Eric for participating this evening. Our topic for the next Bio to Live on September 18th at 8pm Pacific, many great projects actually embracing the diversity of artificial life projects that exist currently. I was looking at the Wikipedia entry of artificial life and someone had attached dates associated with various projects that were fundamentally wrong. I think there are a number of projects out there that are still semi-active. I know a, a few folk in the artificial life community have had children recently and that's kind of slowed down their projects, but they're certainly out there. Certainly folks can get involved and get developed and I wanted to highlight some of those projects in the next bio to live. So thank you both very much for participating. Thanks to Eric Burton as well and thanks to everyone for listening. Good night. Ciao. Thank you.